You are locked in to the hottest podcast in the produce industry. The Produce Life is the place to gauge anything and everything in the fresh produce industry. We tackle all the current news stories, industry trends, and market updates. Be sure to check us out online at www.theproducelife.com and on Instagram at Produce Life Podcast. Now, here's our host, live from Space City, Brent Ehrenwert. What's up, everyone? Thank you for joining us on the Produce Live podcast. Very, very early edition today is we've been talking about this coronavirus and how it's going to affect our industry. So I don't know how many of these calls I'm going to be doing because there's so many perspectives on how we want to look at this. The first one I'm going to do is with Patrick Kelly. Some of you may know him. I had the fortunate chance of meeting him on LinkedIn and we speak a lot about this industry and different things associated with it. And I'm going to let Patrick tell you a little bit about who he is and what he does because he has a long resume. So what's going on, Patrick? How are you doing today? Oh, fantastic, Brent. Fantastic. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. There's a huge, huge, I say epidemic happening, not just in the medical world, but in the, uh, I would say the business world as, as well. Right. It's, it's just crazy. Um, you know, I've never, I've gone through some natural disasters, did a lot of things like that that were very short lived, but I've never quite been in a situation where I literally just felt helpless. Like I just, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to react, but there's really no way to be proactive because we just, we don't know what stage we're in in this. We don't know how it's going to affect us. It's, the media has done so many things these days. I mean, I don't want to call things fake news because we don't know what's fake and what's real anymore. All we know is that, I mean, look at the Romaine deal, what that did for our industry and how far that got escalated. And then, you know, now you're seeing what the CDC say, people not state cruises. I mean, it's, it's just completely insane. And I understand the fear and some of the facts that are out there and how it affects, you know, elderly people and people with weaker immune systems. But it's just unbelievable to just be helpless in something and not be able to do anything and just watch an economic failure happen that's happening like this at so many levels. Right, exactly. And that that's what's crazy. So, um, so just to kind of open it up, everyone, if you don't know who I am, my name is Patrick Kelly. I am an entrepreneur, um, a keynote speaker, and I'm actually a strategist um, within the produce and supply chain industry. And it's kind of funny. I started that out because Brent and I have been talking 
geez, over the last few months since uh, we met on LinkedIn. And I will tell you, everyone, LinkedIn is a very, very powerful tool. If you are not using it to your advantage or to be your servant, you are using it wrong because you are you should be able to get connections, link up with people, right? LinkedIn and have great conversations and make new relationships. Um, but again, I started off with that because as we look at all this, these are strategies that we will start to have. So um, my career has started through the citrus industry. Uh, my father was an immigrant from Canada who came down to uh, San Diego, California, um, and throughout his career moved into the Central Valley of California and has been a very successful business uh, businessman through um, a, the juice industry, through the citrus industry, um, worldwide, not just uh, on the West Coast. And that has led myself to um, become dedicated to growing better supply chains for produce partners around the globe as well, right? So um, again, I'm fortunate to have met Brent at Brothers Produce uh, to be able to talk about our entrepreneurial right journey um, and committed to making a better deal for growers, right? I mean, uh, without our growers in this industry, we have nothing. We have nothing to sell, right? So um, that's what I think we're dedicated to. I know I'm dedicated to it. I've been watching Brent and what he's been doing. He's dedicated to his, one, his family, um, his network, and his growers, right? So um, I do appreciate you having me on today and to talk about some of the things that are happening within our industry. You know, you touched on a, uh, appreciate that intro. You touched on a couple of really good points. First one was the LinkedIn deal. And back when I started Produce Universe, if it would not have been for LinkedIn, I would not have been able to grow that network nor end up selling it. It's unfortunate, you know, where it, where it is today because I still feel like that's a void this industry needs, especially as, you know, buyers have become PO pushers and we've kind of lost that segment of the market. But, um, yeah, then you touched on um, about the, the juicing background, and I'll get into that in a little while about somebody I was on the phone with. I've been – I feel like I haven't slept in about three or four days now and I was on the phone earlier this morning about talking to somebody that has a big juice company here in um here in the United States and about what they should be doing on all this because they are seeing a big increase in their business but they're wondering is this stuff short-lived and I don't think any of us really know and then the last thing um you touched on is we wouldn't be anything without the growers and as I did my rise up, I'm, you know, unfortunately, I'm going to go over the hill here April 1st and hit the 40 plateau. But I feel Woo-woo! like I bet. Yeah, exactly. I feel no, like but I've you got, you know, I have to stop you because that's one thing I didn't touch on. And uh, listen, I, as you know, and I know, I'm the author of Millennial Boom, right? The book. And I love when he, people say, oh, I'm going over the hill or I'm pushing 50. And listen, that's when our when our parents were uh, that age. They they said that, right? It, we're not saying that anymore. You're nowhere close to over the hill. That was just a saying back then. You know, it's a uh, you're forty. You, you're in your prime, is what I see, man. More than your prime. Your kids are keeping you young. I see it on Facebook and, and Instagram. I'm I'm trying. You know, I'm trying. I am, but uh, I'm, I'm just trying to stay young and hard. I surround myself with a lot of. A lot of young, a lot of young talent that keeps me feeling young and energized. But you know, one thing about the growers, as I did my rise up, you know, from you know selling produce on the dock as a kid to sweeping floors to picking orders, taking orders, uh, driving a truck, 
I did sales before I actually went into the buying department and the procurement. And I really wish I would have done that backwards because I think I learned more on the procurement side that would have helped me on the sales side instead. And I really think that in order for somebody to be a good salesperson today, they really have to understand how a product is bought in the supply chain before they can actually sell that product because you can't make a sell unless you make a buy. And I think you kind of touched on that earlier when you said that there's no growers there's no us without them. And I think that was a very important point that you uh, brought up. Oh, yeah. I mean, my dad used to tell me all the time. It's like when we were kids, I, I grew up all over the place. And um, I used to pick oranges actually in Florida uh, for processors. And it was funny because I would hate doing it. And my dad would go, but you wouldn't have a job picking oranges if he didn't need you to. Like, yeah. and I, and I, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and, that, and then the goal is it's, I did a, back in 2010, I was doing a lot of juice. Um, I would say juice transactions back then. And I remember the juice market was very low at the time. And I remember uh, a grower came up to me and he goes, you want to know how to really, really get to everybody, Patrick. And I said, what? He goes, publish your prices in the paper. And I said, what do you mean? And I was, and I always say, I was young back then. This is 10 years ago when I was 20, 25. And I owned my own oh, business man. back in, when I was 25. And um, a grower came, I was, I was at a trade show and he, and he knew the prices. He goes, just publish them. So the produce news was sitting over there. I go to the produce news. And I said, I have an article for you. And she goes, what's that? I said, I can tell you the prices that I'm paying. And I can tell you what my competitors are, competitors are paying. I said, and she goes, well, we can't publish that. I said, okay. And the, uh, the produce news puts out uh, young entrepreneur making better deals for growers. And they actually, I let them publish the price I was getting from the processor, um, taking a commission from the processor and actually giving everything back to the grower, everything. And all I was doing was taking literally a uh, called a handling fee. I was just a middleman and I was helping the grower get the largest possible returns and I was literally helping them. No, no, and that's and that's good. You know, and it's just that's just where so many phases of this business have actually just kind of gone astray and and changed that a lot of people don't understand how that old segment, you know, used to work. And um it's just it's just a shame, you know, and change changes kind of got us all. And, you know, we, we're seeing it. And like you said, your, your age, you know, at what, 35, but you've got, you've been in enough just like I have to see the old, to see where it went and to see where it's going. And unfortunately, if we don't focus on where it's going, just like with this virus, if we don't try to stay ahead in some way, shape or form, then we die. And the best companies yeah. in the world, I say it a hundred times every day. I tell people, it doesn't matter what industry, but the best companies in the world do not die because they did something wrong. They die because they don't evolve. That's the key to everything in this world. It's people can say Coca-Cola is the most boring company in the world, but they're in the juicing market. They're in the sparkling water segment. They're in the soda segment. They're in every single set. I, I saw the other day, I was drinking a Fresca that I haven't seen in 15 years. And I was like, you know what? I wonder who owns this label now. Damn right. It was Coca-Cola. I looked on that no, bottle. say Coca-Cola does. <laughs> yep. Yep. Would have never known it. You know, I bet you they probably own Tab too or something. You know, who knows? Well, 
You know, and it's funny is, Brent, is people don't know what they don't know, right? Because a lot of us, look, the future is now, okay? And this is what I've been talking about. And so when I go on speaking events to talk about the millennial boom or I'm talking within produce, it's everybody, uh, of course, like, so all of us live in the now and in the future, right? We all live in now and future. We don't live in the past, right? But the problem is the future is now, so a lot of these, right, what we're talking about, the older generations that are coming up, we've seen all these changes. It's to that period of time where the older generation doesn't want to change anymore because they're looking at it from the point of view of the last 30 years. And then the newer generation, I can't even call it young, Brent, because I can't call you a kid anymore. Why are people calling us kids anymore? We have 13-year-olds, and I think this generation, right, the new generation coming up is starting to change, willing to change, right, just like the coronavirus that's happening. It's like it, we are already doing this prevention, uh, I would say, tactics, right? We're already washing our hands. We're already, like your, your post on Facebook, it's like we're already living our life the right way. All the people that are not are the ones that are complaining and having issues and having problems. Like – I'm not running around with hand sanitizer. I wash my hands three, four times a day as it is. You know what I mean? It's like uh, those generational gaps too of where you were from and what you were doing have a big part of how you react in society as well. Yeah, you know, I didn't, and I didn't even realize, honestly, there was a gap. In, and people always tell me I'm a germ freak and you, know, you can lick the I, – I could trade in either of my cars you know, any day of the week because I just stay so clean. I'm just glad to see if anything, maybe when we come out of this virus, the world's going to be cleaner. I was at an event with 50 Cent last week, and they were actually, like, making you, like, wash off your hands before you uh, were with him. And I was like, why haven't they been doing this stuff before? I mean, why haven't we been doing the things we were supposed to do? But when I went to Home Depot a couple weeks ago, I mean, I'm cheap, so what I do is I buy the five-gallon things of sanitizer, and I always refill, you know, a lot of the little bottles. You know, I'm a, I'm a conservative person. And I noticed two weeks ago they were out of hand sanitizer, and they said it was from this virus. So this was two weeks ago. So I guess maybe I was blind that it just kind of really snuck up. Maybe I had to get hit in the pocketbook a couple of times on the stock market to get hit. But I think this thing just kind of hit us like, you know, a rolling thunder chasing the wind. And um, even some of us that do try to – focus on tomorrow just didn't really see the impact of today that this thing did yeah i mean i i agree i think that that's like my wife has been texting me telling me hey are you going to go to the store you know make sure we get um uh, make sure we get you know stock up for everything and she went to Publix last night and they're out of toilet paper and they're all out of a lot of different things and my wife's sitting here going did i miss something and i i just said no i go it just um i go it's what people do, Renee. I said, you know, we have stocked, we have, you know, our normal water, our normal cans, and, like, you know, our normal extra week stock. Um, and then we buy already, we go to the grocery store three to four times a week to buy fresh fruits and vegetables, you know, to buy meals. We don't stock up on food and then pull it out of the freezer because we live in a big city. So we live in a city where everything is very accessible, right? Just like you, right? Um, it's like yeah. you could do, you could do Postmates or you could do all this stuff and have your, groceries delivered within an hour and then cook dinner and then not have all this groceries in your, uh, um, in your fridge. Right. So, uh, my wife was like, should we go to Sam's club? Should we go? And I said, yeah, sure. I said, I'll go pick up extra stuff. I go, we're good for a few weeks already, but if you want to pick up some extra, I was like, sure, I'll go, I'll go pick up some extra Oreo cookies. You know what I mean? But I think it does hit the people that 
don't focus on it or go, oh my gosh, I'm out of toilet paper. And then they run to the store and they go pick up six packs of toilet paper. But me being that guy that looks forward, guess what I have coming in next week? A full load of toilet paper. What's that? I ordered a, I ordered a straight load of toilet paper because I'm a visionary and I like to think ahead. So I ordered a full load of toilet paper because I think there's going to be a gap in the toilet paper supply chain that some of people, you know, I'm not in a price gouging thing, but I think that I'll move that load of toilet paper that I'm brought in next week as a produce company. If not, I'll just use it, you know, to cover my employees. I hundred percent with. I hundred percent agree with you. I mean, the same thing. I, I mean, listen, I totally agree because we've all done it. We we've seen opportunity as we know. We're uh, as you're an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, not entrepreneurial. You are, but entrepreneur. I mean, you look at opportunities, you see it. I mean, the same thing I, I, I did with the truck that I bought years ago. It's like I found one. And I was like, oh, look, my wife was like, why do you need that? I was like, I don't. I go with the price here compared to what we could sell it for. I go, we'll make four or five grand. And, you know, to somebody, they're like, oh, I get it. Right. I wouldn't do that. But I mean, the same thing. I'm not, I wasn't trying to price gouge, but I made five grand off a transaction. Right. But that's totally OK. And then if you don't, you have fun using, you know, a truck or you could use that supply within your own company. You know what I mean? Or as you've done before, which I've seen, you're going to open up the back of your brother's produce truck and possibly give toilet paper away to the people that don't have it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what, uh, that's where I'll start focusing here next. But the problem is the first thing I have to cover is unfortunately I'm in a position of, I've got to take care of our own company first and then worry about that. But yeah, so where do, you know, where do we start on this? Um, you know, with well, I was going to say, that's involved. economic impact right there. I mean, that's one of the biggest things that's happening with our within our industry right now is everything's being canceled. I mean, luckily, we got to go to SEPC two weeks ago, um, but I think that was the last trade show until, I mean, I think uh, Viva Fresh, I don't know where they're at. That That's in San Antonio coming up. It's, I mean, can, I just it's had canceled. A, that's already canceled. It's canceled. I just had uh, uh, the International Pineapple Organization – um, I had an event in Fort Lauderdale that they uh, unilaterally just canceled. Like, hey, sorry, we're we're shutting down. No extracurricular activities. So, um, I'm starting to see myself uh, losing funds, right? Losing revenue now because of this. Now, obviously, orders for citrus or orders for pineapples, like those, are still going through. But now it all depends. Are the ports going to get shut down? Are, are there going to be enough warehouses to receive the fruit? Like these are all things now, external factors that are going through our, my mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and I was meeting with um, uh, one of the executives, the food bank. And with the first thing we were talking about a couple, we started meeting about this a couple weeks ago. And when we got really worried about it, we'll just kind of jump into certain areas here. We got really worried about is when they start canceling the schools, the economic impact that that's going to have, because a lot of those kids that are unfortunate have school lunch programs that have to be provided for. They also are going to be there's a their parents have jobs during the day. Now, when they cancel school, like my kids school have already been canceled next week. Do they have you know, what if these parents had to work? Where do they find daycare? Where do they find the money for the daycare? So that's something right there that highly affects you know some social uh, economic impact these oil prices is being in texas where i am you know yeehaw lone star state the um, oil prices where they are 
people love cheap gas until they understand the economic impact of that cheap gas and the expendable income that it creates that help boost our economy for people to go out to eat, go to movies, things like that. Um, when they start grounding all these airplanes, they uh, people aren't traveling to, you know, so Viva Fresh, I was going to drive there. Most people drive there. All those people are going to drive there, thousands of people, they ain't driving there. You know, the the theme parks are shutting down. People aren't driving to Disneyland. People aren't driving to Disney World. They're not driving to these places. Fuel consumption is going to be so far down that, you know, it's going to take some form of probably a world war, unfortunately, to probably bomb out some of these oil places to get the oil balances back up. You know, you can't you can't just cut it off because they cut it off. Well, then you got more jobs that get thrown out there. I believe also you're going to see a heavy the next wave I worry about in our industry, and I was talking to somebody this morning that had a um, a brother that works um, in Silicon Valley, and they said that they're going to start having the National Guard come into certain areas of California and be screening people coming in and out of areas. But I think what's really going to happen is this work from home movement is really going to take a huge spike. And we've even talked about it in our industry. Do we need our buyers to actually be at the warehouse and physically walk in the warehouse and look at things anymore? Are we in such a technologically advanced PO pushing type world with such high resolution cameras that we don't have to be at the office anymore? So, you know, what happens when this the commercial real estate boom stops, the buildings are vacant, all these places that are in the, the tunnel, you know, we have tunnel system here in Houston, all these corporate dining places that people would eat at where are they going to get their meals now are they going to go to a whole food i mean who benefits in the restaurant and in the produce industry off the work from home movement do you have any idea you know it's funny because i'm listening to you and going wow like this this talks to my book though brett i mean you've you've read the book you listen to the podcast i mean this is the the movement that's happening in our in our i would say the globe today i mean i think that a lot of us would benefit because I think that what would happen is we'd start weeding out that people that aren't working anymore because as what you know as well as I do, how many people go to that office and create busy work for themselves, don't get their stuff done, and they always have stuff to do with the office. Now, I believe you probably keep a tighter uh, you know, handle on that kind of stuff, but as I talk about in my book, Millennials Rewrite the Workplace, is this is what's happening. Um, this work from home mentality has already started. This might help the great gulf of technology too, Brett. This might help us uh, make the older generations, the baby boomers, the Xers, and then the millennials start to communicate a little better because they're not going to see each other in the workforce. So I see this as this is a negative as of right now, but there's going to be a lot of positive out of it because like I said, as I talk about is the millennials rewrite the workplace, millennial wiring, and then the great gulf of technology within the millennial boom. All that is how to thrive together in life and work using that technology, talking about natives versus settlers. So I think that how the traditional style of approaching work, this is going to help change. And like you say, even those buyers that are out there, right, the guys that are hiding behind the desk, they're not going to be able to hide behind the desk anymore. There's going to be accountability. What are you doing? How, what are you booking? How are you doing things, right? And there's going to be a new sense of accountability during this movement. Um, I, I always say, again, there's going to be a big difference on how to deal with this. 
But with that change, I think that everybody's going to benefit from it. I really do. And I think that um, there'll be a new level of trust and accountability with our employees and our coworkers. Yeah, no, and, and it's the common thing they say in every bear. There's always a bull in every bear market. And there's a bear in every bull market. Trust me. I had some losing stocks. You know, I, I rolled the dice heavy in the marijuana, medical marijuana industry on some stocks. And if, I guess to use the term, uh, I got smoked probably would, you know, would probably fit the, um, or burned out of my, uh, positions probably would fit the deal because it's like the produce industry and there's a lot of secondary market where the people that are doing it right are, um, you know, losing out to the people that are cutting corners, you know, and that, that's a whole another topic, you know, as we talk about this industry and where it's going, another impact, what about the, look at the stock market, what about my end user, what about the credit, you know, you got a company, um, I could have done a whole podcast about them, there's a company out there called the Produce Blue Book that likes to lower companies' ratings when they don't understand the outside factors of our industry, so yep. something like what's going on right now, Okay, you got a company who I I can actually disclose. I, I bought some Cisco stock this week because I think it's one of the best companies in the world in the food service industry. I bought some of their stock. It's getting throttled because of there was an, all the 52-week lows that are being hit right now are in the travel sector, the airlines, the cruise, the hospitality, the people that cater, all these conferences you just mentioned. The Houston Rodeo was canceled. So they're getting throttled. So is a company like the Blue Book, do they see that or do they just see who sells for cash and pays their company, you know, pays in seven days and, you know, comes up in a horse and buggy and hands off their gold coins for their produce? I mean, how are they going to, how's the produce rating system and the credit going to be changed? Because I was told the other day that the average company that maintains a primus level food safety and is probably over a, I would say over a $75 million a year revenue company. I would say that the average pay for that company, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're on the um, other side of the fence here, 35 to 38 days. That sound about right? I mean, I would say, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do have a, a, a Blue Book account. I think I told you, uh, Brent, through one of my other companies, I didn't, I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not going to go off about the company, but again, I mean, it's uh, the reporting is so fake off news, the wall. Fake news, fake news. Right? Yeah, we don't want to say <laughs> fake news, but it is. It, it's off the wall to where um, it is. It's just crazy. I mean, I don't think they're in tap with with what's going on um, in the community, as I always say. So um, I, I moved to Florida a while back, you know, nine months ago, and people are like, why are you, why are you moving there? And I got into the community colleges here. I started teaching entrepreneurship at the community college level. And that's when I realized community, right? You have to know what's happening in your community. I mean, I saw so many minute things um, that if you didn't know what was happening within the community, you couldn't make an educated decision. And I'm not talking about an educated, like as a degree, I'm talking about an educated decision in life. You know what I mean? And that's what, uh, what you're saying is I don't think they're in tune with the community and understanding and talking to the right people. It's like a collection department. When you call them, their goal is one thing, right, Brent? They don't care what you say. And they t all they keep telling you is, 
anything you say will help us in our collection process. And that's how I feel like these credit rating systems are. They're not trying to help us improve our game. They're trying to help others that support them improve their game while the others are on the sidelines going, wait a minute, I'm trying to explain to you. I have a grower contract that states I can pay in 90 days, but my other 30 representatives or vendors, I pay in 21 days. And then you get this average 46, one star that you, you know, you don't pay your growers on time. And then, you know, your, your set is explaining yourself within the industry and really you shouldn't have to. No, no. In terms have no definition. You just stated it right. Me and you can have a, it. Whenever it takes money to grow money, and the banks hate our industry. Um, insurance companies hate our industry. So oh, sometimes they hate. They hate us. They hate it. Absolutely hate us. In I always said, Mark Cube, if you were to ever put a company on Shark Tank from the produce industry, Mark Cuban, I mean, all of them would look at you, and, and they wouldn't invest. I mean, they would look at it and go, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they would be like, there's too much risk in your company. What if a freeze comes through? What if it rains too much? You know what I mean? Like, no one wants to invest. And when they do, look what's happening. Look at the investors that are coming into our industry. Look what's happening to them. Wouldn't you think Tillman Fertitta would have had his own distribution company by now with as much as he owns? You would think so. Yeah. Why? There's a reason he doesn't, right? No, and then you see all these football players, everybody getting into it too. I mean, I've seen it. You're hearing people like NFL stars, right? The old NFL stars that are trying to start distribution companies now and help out and get into our world. But it's like they, they, I hate to say it, it's like it's a, it's a whole new world over here, man. And this is like it's a ag is different. No, it's and that's the that's the thing, and that goes back to what I said earlier about if people don't evolve they're going to die. And when you have a credit rating system that doesn't understand the ground level of the industry and how the negative ramifications of the Romaine deal, you know, panned out a hurricane, we don't feel the effects of their, you, you live in Florida. We don't feel the effects of the tomato market. When that hurricane hits, we feel it three months later. That's when the spike hits. They don't understand either that in a market business, if somebody's given somebody a credit limit of $500,000, and that fits part of the year. Well, what if the tomato market goes up three to five X? Well, now they've hit their um, their expenditure much faster, right? How do they play that card? You know, how do they play an open file card? I mean, they just need to go away. I mean, that's all it really says to talk about evolution. It's all evolution, right? And you're a visionary. I'm a, I mean, I'm a visionary. That's why it's funny because even you and I talked about my book. A lot of the things that I talk about in my book, we, we even said, oh, yeah, in another 10 years, that's going to start changing, right? Because that's what it is, that's what's going on. We live in the future, right? The future is now, but we live in the future now. So I agree with you. I think that over time, either these things need to change or, like I said, they're going to – someone else is going to come out with something new. It's going to completely bombshell the industry because this new tech or innovation is going to come out and they're going to be left like Kodak was going – uh, what just happened? And they're going to go, what do you mean? You didn't evolve with the people that were telling you there was a problem with every problem comes opportunity. You just, you don't have to be smart enough to see it. You just have to execute on those ideas for you to for you to be able to create something. Right. That's all I mean, you get to the, do. What's the common quote they say, you know, people that are successful, basically they, it's a combination of, you know, luck and making the, where luck and making the right choice, you know, intersected. 
You know, you yeah. have to be. I I accumulate a lot of our company's success to being at the right place at the right time. We weren't better than other people did it. We had amazing people, and we were able to execute when in a thriving market. And then we were able to evolve and get into other things. But yeah, that that's a whole nother. We'll we'll do a whole nother segment on that whenever we roll out our new uh, platform that we're going to introduce to the world. That's going to revolutionize that industry because um i have a feeling that um shoot the rate we're going half these produce companies and end users they won't even be able to afford the uh the blue book thing and unfortunately two years from now when half these companies go out of business they'll still be listed in the book and getting rated that's the best yeah that, that's the thing i mean and then again too i'm not going to give any ideas on <laughs> the air here but like i said there's tons of things that can oh, yeah, we know we know process yeah, you yeah. And I know the form. You and I know the formula. We know the players. We've got a whole line it's all of about implementation and execution at this yeah. point. Once we get through, once we get through the coronavirus, then um, we'll tackle the the produce credit industry virus that um, that will get fixed, and we're gonna. This world is gonna be a better place. But yeah, so back to this. Um, so okay, being on your side, let me tell you one thing that we started talking about that where it's kind of scary when you talk about this virus. And, you know, again, I, I'm not trying to, I'm a big believer of living for today and not being afraid to live. I mean, I had a Facebook post the other day and LinkedIn and everything where, you know, if we're afraid to eat because we're going to choke, if we're afraid to drive a car because we're going to crash, if we're afraid to get an airplane because we're going to crash, if we're afraid to do things and live in fear, you know, is it really worth living? And so I try to, you know, live for today and just you know be precaution on things but so one of the things i started thinking about and actually another produce company uh brought this up to me and and i deal with a lot of competitors on a very friendly basis and that's because we're all alike at the end of the day we we share the same problems we share the same problems at home because this is a this industry is like the hotel california i mean you can um leave but you're never going to check out unfortunately So what happens is we all talk, and one of them brought up, hey, yeah, we're in this produce market, and all these truck drivers are coming in and out of our um, you know, terminal market. Um, unfortunately, I'm still in a terminal market. There's not many left. And then this goes for any produce company, for that matter. And nothing against truck drivers, because I think it's the most underappreciated industry in the world. Um, but... How many? Who have they come in contact with in all this? They're coming out of every single possible place of the world, of the United States, of Central America, bringing us products, you know, shaking hands, going to truck stops. What if they come in contact with our receiver? How are we doing the proper checks and balances when they enter the terminal markets and or the port? to ensure this virus isn't coming into contact with us. Have anybody thought about that? Because that one was kind of one like, wow, I didn't think about that. How do we, how do we go to set up an operating procedure with these people? You know, is it something you follow an airport procedure? What do you do? Have you thought about that one? I actually, I, I did because my thought process went to food safety and said, wait a minute. Like, cause I just canceled a trip to, um, out of the country and it was all based on where they were, had nothing to do with me as in, oh, I don't want to go because of this. I knew where they travel because everybody 
is just getting back from Fruit Logistica Berlin. They were over in Hong Kong. Like all these things were, you know, just happened within the last three to four months. You know what I mean? And I thought about that too, because um, my brother calls me and he goes, Hey, what are we doing out of South America this year? And I started to tell him. And then he goes, Patrick, he goes, what happens though when the port gets shut down? And I said, why would the port be shut down? Everybody needs citrus, right? In the first off the ball reaction to him, I, that's what I say. And he goes, he said exactly what you said. He goes, but hold on. He goes, what if they shut down interior because of that person who traveled or got back? They're, they're CBPs inspecting the boxes. They're lifting the trucks up. Now, the food safety people will probably say, no, but we certified that facility. Um, they're, they're expected to keep a maintain all this, right? But like you just said, with toilet paper out, um, with, with hand sanitizer, all these things going out, what says that these people, right, the warehouses, the facilities, the ports are going to be able to keep this level of cleanliness when in all reality, we still have mishaps in food safety every day today, right? So, yeah, I thought about it and it's going to be interesting on how the food safety, I would say, industry, right, comes in on this because this is a big play. This is a consumer level play. The consumers can now get the industry sick, right? From where they have come from, where they've traveled and where they've been. Yeah. Yeah. So I sent, um, you know, in order to be proactive in all this, um, so yesterday I sent out, you, know, you have to start addressing this at some point to let your customers know it and, and everything in the world. It's, we, we talked about the blue book earlier and I believe we're in a world now where integrity trumps, um, you know, no pun on Donald Trump, but integrity trumps credit. And if people that have food safety are typically going to probably pay a little slower, they got a higher labor force uh, because of that food safety. They've got a higher level of customer that pays slower. And what I did as part of our food safety plan, I emailed something yesterday. And I'll, I'll read this little uh, thing I put out. I said, as part of Brothers Produce Food Safety Plan, we already have a sick policy as well as hand washing procedures. The sick policy states that employees who are ill display fever or other symptoms are not allowed to work until the fever is free for 24 hours. Also, our food safety plan calls for rigorous hand washing by all employees, forklift, pallet jack handles, as well as handheld equipment that will also be sanitized at the start of each shift, in the middle of the shift, and periodically throughout the day. We now have actually further implemented more sanitizing of all the doorknobs, equipment handles, bathroom counters, and other services that workers regularly touch during times of the day. We have also tripled the amount of hand sanitizing stations throughout our warehouse. And then I just put, please stay tuned. Now, we're going to keep doing this going forward. So whatever the extent of this virus is going forward, I hope that next year, you know, when flu season hits and all that, I I think what we're doing today is going to set the standard for tomorrow, but I think the only way to really get in front of this is to go and let the customers know. And I've been getting emails from everybody I order from online about how they're even handling things. We're talking about t-shirts and stuff. So I think that one of the things companies have to really be do their due diligence on in the food safety side is talk about how they're, addressing the sick employees you know how are they addressing the sanitizing the touching the thing this is taking food safety to a whole nother level oh it is because remember even on the on the citrus side because i'm heavily more involved in citrus as you know is on the citrus side you actually have to wear the the gloves you've got to wear a lot of this uh, already um but ready for this uh, brent as you know 
that just if you wear aprons versus no aprons or gloves versus no gloves right um your score just gets affected differently right it, it, there's corrective actions plans put in place but someone that has an 82 percent score with corrective action plans can still be selling to the same customer that has a 95 percent with no action plans yeah am i right yeah, no no you're so, right so take that exact example and say okay now at the 82 at 82, because again, I've seen, again, if you've been in the Central Valley of California, there are some still really old sheds that still operate. They fall within food safety guidelines, but they're not like the state of the line uh, facilities. You know, they have all bag machines. You know, there's a certain amount of employees, you know, engineers, you know, the whole, you know, the whole deal. You know what I mean? Um, but if you take that and then those employees aren't pushed on, oh, we really want to strive for that 95% like your company is. Or, you know, they're going to come into work. They're not going to wash their hands every time they go to the bathroom. Or they're going to be that type that walks out back, peels, a, peels an apple on the on the shipping dock. You know what I mean? And we see this every day. I mean, you've walked the terminal markets. People are trying to taste fruit right there. you got guys with their cutting knives, right? And that's... Yeah. Well, those yeah, that are I don't against, do pro- yeah, I don't do processing, but I know what you mean. I got you, out of that business for no, that terminal liability reason. Yeah, and they want to taste it. This is, this is a market to where an industry where we see the fruit and we know it's about taste. It's about flavor, right? So there's so much of that happening, but in all reality, did that person stop, go wash their knife, go wash their hand, then go to the next person, shake their hand. So that somehow, some way, like I said, is going to get back. I've been talking to friends that live in China. I want to be clear here, everyone, my buddies in China are still traveling. They're like, yeah, our work has told us work from home, do all this. He goes, but Patrick, he goes, I still have to fly to India and Singapore. And he goes, I still have to go and work. He goes, if not, I goes, I, he goes, I don't get paid. He goes, I'm a salesman. So I'm like, well, they're making it seem over here in the U S he goes, Patrick. Yes. We're on red alert. Yes. We've shut down schools. Yes. We've done all this. He goes, but I'm still a salesman. I'm still out. He goes, so it's either I could take off. He goes, or I can work. He goes, as of right now, he goes, I, I'm still working. So I have a buddy that lives in China and is still traveling throughout China and the Eastern countries because business is still happening. And, and that's the unfortunate. Right? That that's the unfortunate part. It's what I was telling somebody on. Um, I think you know. Unfortunately, I'm an activist, and that's how I got in politics. And I, unfortunately, I argue with people online when I probably should or shouldn't. Or I'm just fighting for us. But what I tried to explain to them, and this is unfortunate too. When you know you have a funeral or something, life must go on. You only live once. So you can't just stop. We have to keep going no matter what lies in front of us. Because if we stop, you see what's going on now when the world is stopping. Man, it ain't it ain't cool. I mean, it's not. And and that's what's happening. And um, you know, that's where the paranoia and the fear. And like I said, I understand the stats and I get them. And I don't want any of my family or anybody I know or anybody for that matter with a weak immune system to succumb to this virus that we don't know anything about. But at the end of the day, how many, how much economic impact and stress is going to kill people? I guarantee you more people are going to die from stress and strokes and heart attacks than they are from this virus from the economic impact. A hundred percent. Like you said, I mean, I've seen my stocks drop today. I mean, I could imagine, I mean, some of the stocks that were over a hundred dollars, 
Um, you talk about small stocks first, right? Go to the stocks that were at 30, 40 bucks two years ago um, that some of us bought into that went over 150, 160. Hell, I could even talk to you about Alta Beauty that was at 90 and went all the way to $340 a share, which is now down to 100. So I know that the um, the baby boomers, right, that control a lot of the money, as we've seen in the papers, I mean, this is the huge, the biggest crash in the stock market since 1987, right? So it's about to jump back up almost, what, 1,000 points open this morning. But these sell-offs that are happening, I mean, all these things that are happening, it's like you're they're leading to um, what? You're, you're in fear. You're, I heard guys are stockpiling cash in their houses and, and liquidating their accounts because they're afraid of this epidemic. But like, that, like you just said, that's fear of living your life. I mean, go to the store. Yeah, get a couple extra weeks of food. Make sure your kids are okay. But it's funny. The ones that are reacting or overreacting are the ones who could be prone to, or not prone, but to be uh, susceptible to getting this virus, right? The older generation, right? So it's funny because someone said the other day, I saw on Instagram and they were like, sports are being canceled, right? Uh, But that's what's insane. I mean, mean, I'm a gambler. I mean, what can I do? What am I gambling on? But let me throw this out to you that's going to blow your mind and that people don't understand. So MLB is getting canceled. Uh, basketball is getting canceled, um, right? All these sports are getting canceled, okay? Uh, yeah. the, the gaming industry, esports, who, who play uh, PlayStation and do NBA online. Yeah, I know that. They're going out. Bro, they're over here laughing, going, okay, boomer. Like, <laughs> I saw I this. Have po- some game stocks. I, do, I did buy some GameStop uh, stock a couple of weeks ago. That one's actually been one of the few that hadn't been as hit as hard. You have gamers that are literally looking at this going, no problem. NBA is going to be canceled. So what they're doing is, Brent, is they're going on looking at the schedules on who's going to be playing. They're getting on their NBA and they're live streaming the next game, but be playing hey, it can on. I bet on. Is there any lines where I can at least bet on that? So I got something to bet like, on. Think about <laughs> it. How do I bet like, on that? Something new could come of this, though, right? Think about it. Like you just said, what if there is? What if all of a sudden a betting thing comes on playing basketball games off PlayStation compared to what we're officially doing? You know what I mean? Just (laughs) think about it. These gamers are making $500,000 a year, and now they're going – they're laughing, going, okay, fine. You guys canceled yours, but we're still making money doing our gaming playing sports. Yeah. So the the esports industry is actually laughing, going, "Hey, no problem, okay, boomer." I mean, li- literally, literally. I was talking, you know, I do a lot of work with charities, um, and know a lot of these guys. And I was talking to Vince Young, is a real good friend of mine. Um, but we were talking about it yesterday, and we talked back about this impact. So let's talk about the sports now. What about all the jobs in the concession stands that were lost? Oh, it's 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 huge, and that's what I was telling. All those are part time. A lot of those are part time second jobs because of the fact they they're working those as second subsidiary. Yeah, income they're just temp jobs. jobs. Yeah, and I guarantee you, Uber and all that's down too. What's your temp jobs too? Because nobody's going anywhere. Yeah, like I, I mean, it's you know, I didn't even decide to go to, if I'm even going to go to work yet today, or I'm going to work from home because it's such a ghost town. I agree. And, uh, I, you know, so, you know, next thing. So, so what do we do going forward? I mean, I know, yeah, I know we're, we're, and I think this is another conversation to keep going on and some others. I really enjoyed the time, but you know, like, so going forward, so I'm looking into, fortunately I'm in other segments. This school deal is going to hit hard. 
Um, I've got a lot of food service business. I think my cold storage segment's going to be good. Um, I'm getting a lot of calls for storage. I'm actually last night, as you know, I'm sitting there like a crackhead, not being able to sleep, you know, just gnawing on my fingers. I said, you know what? I'm seeing all these empty grocery store shelves. I've always wanted to go into the wholesale public business. So I put something out there. I got hit with 50 orders that I got to figure out now how to navigate and get out today and get through <laughs> my and get through my system. But I may have just found a model to the public. And, and I don't want to compete with my customers, the retailers, but I think they need they need me right now because they need their shell. And I'm going to be working some logistics for the retailers. I've already, I get creative and I've been on the phone all week. Like, Hey, schools were canceled. I got extra logistics. If you need help getting your sales replenished, send me that load of whatever it is and give me a list of stores and I'll deliver them for you. That's how I think outside of the box. That's what you got to do at times yeah. like this. Increasing sale. I told my sales team yesterday, there's no reason to increase sales in this because we don't know what to stock. We don't know when we don't know when they're going to yank the rug out from under us and an outbreak's going to hit in the city and the city's going to completely shut down. All the restaurants are going to be, you know, just hung out to dry like the Harvey was here. So I told them I really don't want to see them increase sales right now because also I don't I'll never lay people off, but I might have to start condensing some routes and change some of my service level. So I told them to expect, you know, the customers got to work with this. And now more than ever, the customer vendor relationship, distributor, grower, we're all, we all live in this and die in this together. The consultants that are involved in this, you know, we're the front lines. Um, and if we don't all work together in this, we're all going to die together, but it's, it's better to try to win and survive together than to die together on an island, you know? So I'm constantly talking to... I feel like I we're mean, bad boys for life right now. You were like, we ride yeah. together, die together. This yeah, bad, right, this, right, hey, right, this bad boys for life, produce industry, okay? That's you got that? That's what I told 50 the other day. I saw man, ride or die. That's I was telling I was going to ask you, I mean, that, you know, first thing you said at 50, do you just walk up to him and he's holding two bottles of alkaline and you just go, bottle full of bub for the club, huh? Yeah? No? Yeah, I, was, I, was hold, I was holding three, you know, and it wasn't even my birthday. I saw, man. I was, I, was... Definitely, I was definitely shorter than him, so he could have said go shorty, but, you yeah. know what I mean? I was going to say, I would he's tower big, over both guys. Uh, he's, a big, uh, he's a big dude. Fortunately, the other one I know well is Ice Cube, and he's only about my size, and he's just got a big mouth and a large entourage behind him, so... I feel yeah, like sometimes I might like need his entourage. I, I might, sometimes I feel like there's times I need I need to roll as deep as him as much as I'll piss off some people. Hey, you know what's <laughs> funny is I used to work for a company, um, not going to say who, but back in the days it was funny because I would always roll around because my brothers work in the industry, my friends work in the industry. So like when I would go to PMA or I would go somewhere, I would I would have my company that I worked for, right? Uh, but then on the other side, uh, they were like, Hey, uh, why are you bringing so many people with you? I was like, no, these are just, everybody's here at the show. You know what I mean? It's just, hey, yeah, that's my ding going off. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's like, it's like you roll with an entourage and people get scared of it though. But in all reality, it's a big learning group together too, man. You know what I mean? I always like being, I always thought the best place to be in any industry and anything is the most loved, the most feared and the most hated person there is. Uh, 100, because, 100%. because then 
then you know exactly where you fit in. You're looked at a certain way and you can get along with anybody. I mean, like I said, I've really built some good relationships with people that I've been competitors for years with over the years through times like this. Because at the end of the day, I learned that from my dad. My dad's best friends today are a lot of his old competitors that um, he did business with for years. And unfortunately, a lot of people, I, I wrote an article on that uh, for the Packer recently. And it's just so important in times like this. You you really got to, your net worth is your network. And you really have to go out there and explore your network to try to find your help and get advice on what to do. Because I tell people all the time, I may look smart on certain things, but if I walk into a room and I'm the smartest person in that room, that's a dumb room. You I'm walk not, right, I'm you not walk a smart right person. I'm not a smart person. I always just surround myself with really good people. And I'm an idea guy that, you know, can find people to execute those ideas. I'm, a, I'm become a marketing guy, but uh, yeah, I think we need to, we need to get that other show going that, that we talked about doing, you know, we can probably tease some of that for the people. Um, now kind of let them know we're gonna we're gonna try to form a new show here that we hit some industry topics maybe some off industry topics and maybe do some video casts on some of this uh shoot we may have more time uh we may have more time as we're quarantined in our houses here over the next few weeks to, to film all sorts of stuff maybe we could i might take up video gaming shit Maybe there's well, like a future opportunity, man. I mean, everything, everything you look at it, it's, we got to figure out opportunities to do better. I mean, you said it before again, it's listen, we're preventing now, not, not just the coronavirus. We're preventing now more for the future. And this should be a wake up call. I mean, everybody that's listening right now, if you're a buyer, right? Think about what we said. I mean, think about accountability, think about trust. What happens when now your main five growers or your main five suppliers that have been, you know, had your back for years are not going to be able to start thinking about the opportunity to, to reach out to new people, link up with new people, right? Um, everything, right? Think about what the future is going to hold. So I, I do agree. I mean, and think about what we're going to be coming up with. There's so much opportunity out there. And uh, I think there's going to be a lot to come out of this. And I think that if we focus our energy on the right things, Brent, right? Uh, there will yeah. be things coming out. We're working on a new podcast for the industry. We're working on uh, new apps for the industry. And uh, this is a lot of change that's going to start happening. Um, but as I always say, change is a good thing. No, no, it, it is. And um, change, change is tough. People don't like change. You know, you hate seeing times like we're going through. But, you know, we're just going to we're going to tough this thing out. And, you know, we're going to get through it. And we're just going to all communicate. And we're going to keep having chats like this. But I want to thank you, you know, for taking some time out here early this morning, you know. To, to start our day i know you're an early riser like me and we're gonna we're gonna keep doing chats like this so thanks again for joining me and thanks to all of you out there that take uh some time to listen to this sorry it was a little longer but sometimes when me and patrick get talking we just don't stop we probably could have kept going yeah I, I definitely uh i definitely agree with that so um i appreciate it brent um, this has been this has been fun, and uh, we will have Brent on the Millennial Boom podcast uh, very shortly. Um, we're going to talk about rules of engagement. So um, please, if there's any questions and you look to want to get a hold of me, you can uh, catch me on thepatrickkelly.com, or I am 
you go to Google, type in hashtag millennial boom. I was, I tell everybody, you can't not find me. So I am on everything from Instagram to TikTok to Twitter um, to WhatsApp. You know, I'm I'm everywhere. So um, if you'd like to reach out, talk about anything that we've talked about today, or even talk about the millennial boom, um, again, thepatrickkelly.com or any of the social media accounts. I appreciate it, man. And um, everybody knows where to where to find me. Hopefully, um, you know the website's theproducelife.com. Um, mine's brothersproduce.com, Twitter at Brent Aaronwork, LinkedIn, um, you can pretty much look me up there. And once again, I appreciate, um, everything and hope everybody stays safe, keep communicating. Anybody out there wants to jump on and do a show with, uh, Patrick or I, or either, or both of us, or a bunch of us, let us know and hope you all have a good day and, Uh, Patrick, you have a good day, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks, Brent. Take care, man. Bye. Yeah, that was good.